Welcome to Conceive the Podcast, your resource for all things fertility, women's health and pregnancy, with your hosts, Jaya Ferreira, Chinese medicine practitioner and director of Natural Fertility Geelong, and me, Libby Morgan, practice manager and Jaya's friend. Welcome everyone to this episode of Conceive the Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about male fertility. So Jay is just going to be answering some common questions. She's going to take us through um, a semen analysis and what all of that means um, and give practical advice on how to improve outcomes for pregnancy. Hi Jaya. Hi Libby. Where should we start? I guess how important is male fertility when a heterosexual couple is trying to conceive? I think it is very important and people often don't consider the male as much as they probably should. Yeah. I guess currently just men attributed are attributed to about 30% of couples experiencing infertility or where it's just a male factor. Wow. And then as a combination of men and women, that's about... 40% of couples who are trying to conceive. Well, wow, that's quite high. Yeah, so they're the other half of the factor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, really important that we consider both partners. So when you're considering male fertility, is a semen analysis sort of the first place yeah. that you go to? Yeah, exactly. So most people will start with a semen analysis and that's where we do too. So we'll often ask for a semen analysis before we get the partner to come in. Mm-hmm. And that will usually begin with a GP. And so really if you've been trying for 6 to 12 months, that's when people will go and get a semen analysis. Some people though, it's a lot longer and they'll often wait years. Or sometimes people will assume, well, I've had children in the past so I'm fine. But sperm changes like your health changes. So it's really important to just get that checked and I think it's a really important first step. And do you think people put that off often? Or just aren't aware yeah, that it can definitely. have an impact? I mean, some guys are really happy to do it, but some, I mean, I guess the idea of it can be just really off-putting. And, mm. But it's really a non-invasive way to check what's happening. Yeah. And you can kind of rule out red flags quite quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely recommend getting that done. And get it done earlier if you want to. Sometimes it's good to know. Yeah. But what does it all mean? So I know yeah. when they come back there's a lot of different categories. Yeah, and that's confusing. And often in a consult we'll start breaking that down and explaining okay. that. So when you get your results back, the things that they'll be looking at and we'll, what we'll be looking at is we look at the volume, so that's how much fluid's in the sample outside of the sperm. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I refer to it as whether they have a big pond or a little pond with <laughs> lots of fish or not many fish in it. So the volume is how much fluid's in the ejaculate. And then we look at the sperm concentration. So that's how much sperm is in that sample as well. Okay. So how many fish are in the pond? Yeah. So how many millions? So there's always lots of them. But, um, you know, the more that are there, the better chance of one of, them, one, in, one of them making it to the destination. We look at the progressive motility, and that basically means how fast they're swimming and in the right direction. The progressive means in a forward direction. Okay. And so when I'm looking at that, I want to know whether they're going to be able to reach the destination Mm. because that's a really important factor. Yeah. And lastly, we also look at the morphology, which is the shape of the sperm. 
So we want it to have a normal shaped head and a tail. So kind of like the classic looking. Yeah. And there's all sorts of things that can happen with sperm. They can have multiple tails or be swimming in the wrong direction or two heads. Really? Yeah. It's, people don't realize this. Um, Where are they swimming to? Just in just, circles, just like, you know, in that episode of The Simpsons with Homer's <laughs> sperm. Bumping into each other. Yeah. And so yeah. all of the DNA is in the head of the sperm. Okay. And that's really important for fertilization. So when the egg and the sperm fertilize, the egg will then come along and fix a lot of the damaged DNA of the sperm. So I guess if there's too much or it isn't a good sperm that's being fertilized with, either it won't implant or it won't grow very far, things like that happen. So we want to minimise that. And do I remember you telling me once um, the more sperm there are, the better as well because yeah, they to help with are like friends together. They help to break down egg. that outer shell of the egg. That's right. Good memory. Hmm. I do learn some things from you. So, yeah, the, the shape of the sperm is really important. Okay. And I guess when you're working with IVF, an embryologist will be picking out with sperm okay but it's still good to have yeah the best quality you can get yeah so when we look at a semen analysis then we're kind of going what can we do to improve the morphology the count help them swim a bit faster give them the give the sperm the nutrients they need help with um antioxidants and things like that yeah so how they form how yeah. they swim yeah yeah and like actually getting a, doing the semen analysis, what's the nuts and bolts of that? Yeah, this is good because I write this down a lot for clients. Sometimes GP appointments are really quick or the guys don't really take note. Um, but important things to remember when getting a semen analysis is that most, um, if you're in Geelong, there's really only one place in Geelong to get it done, which is clinical labs in Ryrie Street. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing it at your IVF clinic, which sometimes they'll do it on site. Oh, okay. But if you're doing it just through clinical labs, because most people are just starting with their GP, you'll have to go and collect the cup first, Mm -hmm. or usually their partners do, (laughs) Um, and do the sample at home. Mm -hmm. You need to find a time that works for you. I often tell people to ask the clinic when they're doing collections and what days, which I think is almost every day. Oh, okay. Because it's important to know when to take it back in. Because it's time sensitive. Yep. Okay. We don't want them to die, essentially. Sperm, not the man. Yeah, we don't, we don't want the sperm to die. And it's best that they abstain for three days. Okay. They're not for too long because they start to die after five or six days. Oh. So, you know, yep. do the sample at home, wrap it in foil, the cup, mm-hmm. and keep it close to your body when you're taking it straight back to the clinic. You want to keep it warm as well so they don't die. Um, so yeah, getting it back to the clinic as soon as possible is really important because the sperm are really sensitive and fragile and we want to get the most accurate reading as possible. Yeah. It's also important to remember that the first 20% of the ejaculate contains 80% of the sperm numbers. Oh, so okay. it's really important you get it in the cup. Okay. Sometimes we get inaccurate readings just because sample didn't all land in the cup. Yeah. Are there other reasons for inaccurate reading? Other things to consider? Yeah, definitely. I would say a semen analysis is not, I guess it's, it's contentious of how accurate it actually is. So it's a really a snapshot of time and a, a picture of your health. 
and it can vary. And that's why if you get uh, an analysis that's not that great, it's really common practice to then get a second repeat test, maybe six weeks later or a few months later. After making some improvements or just... Just to just get a bit of a more accurate reading. Okay. I mean, it's better if you make some improvements, but that one sample might not be everything. Let's just say you've been sick or you're highly, highly stressed or you had so much to drink on the weekend that you just, you know. Killed them. Yeah, you're not, you're not your best self. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's better to do it when you're feeling good. So even stress can impact yeah, and sometimes guys will say, like, I just, I knew that sample wasn't good. I wasn't feeling good. Yeah, and it wasn't that great. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, be nice and hydrated before the test. Yes. That sort of thing. Drink lots of water. The semen analysis does give us some insight into what is happening, but there's, yeah, there's speculation on how accurate it is. Mm-hmm. It does not tell us enough about the DNA integrity of the male. So, even if the DNA, even if the semen analysis is okay, it's still important to work on your health, even if you're doing IVF. So it doesn't have a direct correlation with fertility potential. Does that make sense? Um, maybe just back up a little bit. So the DNA integrity? Yeah, so we know that the morphology is the shape of the sperm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really tell us enough about what's happening in the DNA oh, of the sperm. Okay. That that doesn't give us enough information about that. So the sperm could be looking good and it's, could be travelling in the right direction. And maybe it's still not great. But it's still not great, okay, because they can be And damaged. that's why I think it's still important to work on your lifestyle factors because I think clinically we've seen it so many times where semen, an- semen analysis is okay and so male goes, oh, I'm off the hook. Look, I don't need to do anything. And maybe they're not getting great results either naturally or they're not getting fertilized embryos or things are not progressing in the right way. And then they'll do things like they'll quit smoking, which they know they should have done anyway. And then they'll get the results. Then all of a sudden, oh, we fell pregnant. And it doesn't take that long for a turnaround with guys. Yeah. So the life cycle, it's three months, the life cycle. That's, That's like a really achievable health goal. Well, I, I always say it's, you know, it's a couple of months really when yeah. your partner will then go through a pregnancy and mm. everything else it entails. Like yeah. their journey can be a lot longer. Yes. But it's probably worth mentioning as well that how those values of a semen analysis come around. The, oh, world, yeah, okay. he- the, world, he- <laughs> the world Health Organization sets the parameters of what's considered fertile sperm. And they basically conducted a big study where they got samples from men from all different parts of the world and then they tracked how long it took them to fall pregnant within the time frame of a year. And then they've put that on a graph. Yep. And those current values now that where we go, yeah, that's looking okay medically, that is sitting at the bottom fifth percentile of men who could fall pregnant within a year. Oh, okay. So when you're looking at a semen analysis and you go, oh, we're all good, you're still, if you're sitting around those bottom ranges, you're still sitting at the bottom fifth percentile. Yeah, right. You're not okay. in the average range, which you, you can absolutely still fall pregnant. And this is why I think we don't know enough because it's not, it's not that accurate. I think it's still really important to get. Yeah. Um. But that's why we'll we'll get something like that and then we'll still try and work on lifestyle factors. 
Mm. Still important. There's, to try and get those levels there, up, yeah. So someone who was sitting maybe in the 20th percentile will potentially fall pregnant faster okay. than someone in those lower levels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we know now is that with IVF, you don't need much sperm to make a baby. Oh, okay. Because with so things can... like ICSI where they, they get a single sperm and they look get the best-looking one and they pop it straight into the egg. Right. Got technology helping you there yeah but for natural fertility you definitely want to see those higher numbers yeah yeah and probably worth mentioning the actual values now from the world health organization for volume it's 1.5 mils concentration is 15 million which sounds like a lot but it's actually not compared to previously what the numbers should have been so they've changed Yeah, so over over the years, the values have actually dropped down substantially. As the population has become less healthy? A normal morphology now is 4%, Mm -hmm. 4% of normal shaped sperm, whereas, you know, 10 years ago it was 14%. Quite a drop, isn't it? And it's really not unusual now. We see a lot of results with two to three percent morphology and it doesn't mean that you can't have a baby okay like that's the most important thing but levels are dropping yeah. and primarily in western countries so we've kind of got to ask the question of what's going on there like why is that happening why is it harder now to have babies and it's showing how much lifestyle i guess is impacting all yeah. our health yeah and it's just interesting that those levels have dropped so much as well so when we look at a, um, a morphology of 2% and we go a 98% of the sperm not looking normal, it's harder for the body to make a baby. Yeah. Yep. Which, which it means is just higher numbers of sperm with damaged DNA potentially. So that other part of the picture that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and this is why we want to know about the guys early on. We get better results when we can work on both partners at the same time. Mm. Sometimes just working on the guys, if their partner's okay, we, we shift the focus. Yeah. But it's better than, say, she's been coming in for six months and then we decide to work on him and we've got another three months on top of that. Yeah. If you're, wanting, Which, if you're working on it and you're wanting a baby now, then both parties Absolutely. So when you're trying to, to conceive, as most women would know, every month feels crucial. Mm, mm. don't want to waste more time are there other investigations um so you're talking the same analysis isn't always that accurate what other investigations are there for male fertility Mm. i guess some other big ones to mention are um anti-sperm antibodies okay which is a test that a fertility specialist will more likely do. Okay. GPs don't tend to really know much about it. Um, and that basically means it's when there's antibodies on the sperm that basically make it really difficult to fall pregnant naturally. So Why is that? It's when your immune system is targeting the sperm and seeing it as an invader. Oh, okay. So the... The woman's body is seeing it as an invader. Have I got that right? To double check. 
my notes on. I want to get that correct. But what it means is it's really difficult to fall pregnant naturally. Mm-hmm. And I can think it's a little bit of a dark horse. It's actually not that common, but I feel like I see it a fair bit at the clinic. That's interesting. What are the causes? What makes <clears throat> that happen? Well, it can happen from trauma. Let's say you've been kicked in the balls really hard or you play sport. Like actual trauma to Yeah, it can happen from trauma. Testes. Yep. Yep. Um, well, you know, I, I see it quite a bit with footy players oh, or people who cool. have played footy. And maybe it happened like something minor happened in the past and you just never saw a doctor about it or it wasn't that. But then there may be antibodies that have come up and it, you won't see it in a semen analysis and a GP won't test for it. Or um, if you've had a reversal of, of, of a vasectomy, yeah. that can um, that can cause antibodies. Often it does okay. after three months. So they have the reversal and then yep. have got three good months oh. and then potentially the antibodies will be there. Will kick in. And uh-huh. that's the first thing I think of when I hear vasectomy reversal. How long have you been trying? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't happen, so okay. it's really case by case. But IVF has really good outcomes when it comes to anti-sperm antibodies. Okay. They wash the sperm. And if there's no female factor as well, I would say the outcomes are really good. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. Um, not all fertility specialists believe in anti-sperm antibodies. Okay. So I'd say not all of them are testing it. In Geelong, I think all of them are. Mm-hmm. They're pretty safe. That that will be checked pretty soon up. But it's also probably important to remember that keep that in mind if things are really not happening, that you can see a fertility specialist because they've got a few more things in their toolkit for testing. Don't just think we've been to our GP, we've checked that, so he's okay. Yeah, yeah, if things aren't progressing. And a fertility specialist can help. They're not just for women. They can be helping with the male factor stuff as well. Yeah, so more and more now men are included in that picture. And I guess another really important thing of a semen analysis as well is that you can rule out things like when when there's things like azospermia, when there's no sperm in the ejaculate, that leads us into like more medical things. But we might save that for another episode when we get an expert on. Because to be honest, there's so much information there. (laughs) Let's keep it to the basic stuff today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that can be a really rude and horrible shock to the system, like of we've been trying for so long yes. and then we didn't know. Yeah. And that's I mean, where, it's important to give it some time but to not. So that's where doing that early semen analysis relatively bring up early. Any, and I'm not yeah. saying straight away, but sometimes some people choose to do it straight away, yeah. but within a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. Don't go five years. Yeah. On the other one, sorry. No, you go. (laughs) DNA fragmentation, which is another test we're seeing a lot of, also done by a fertility specialist, but it looks closer at the DNA integrity. Okay. And it's quite expensive if you want to do these tests on your own. Yeah, right. Like hundreds of dollars. Okay. Wow. But it's stuff to just kind of consider and keep in the back of your mind, but maybe there's more to the picture than, than what's going on. Yeah. Not that you have to freak out. Because it's still in the rarer side yeah. of things, but it's still something to consider. Yeah. It also comes back to you may as well be getting into the best health that you can be 
yeah. to conceive because then these some of these factors, not all of them, obviously, the more medical ones, but the lifestyle ones, there's so much you can do early on. Yeah. I mean, really it would be good if anti-sperm antibodies was part of routine testing. Uh, okay. One day. One day. But you're right, when we look at some of the causes of male infertility, there's just a lot we really don't know about still. Oh, really? Yeah. So the list of causes is quite long and really varied, but I've written it down. We can divide it into four main categories. Okay. So hypothalamic pituitary disorders, which basically means, you know, that message from the brain down to the down to the testes. Oh, okay. Yep. So it starts at the top mm-hmm. in the head. That accounts to one to two percent of cases of male infertility, and you can either be born with it, or it can be acquired, or it can be from an illness. Okay. Um, and then the second is dis- disorders of the gonads, and that's about thirty to forty percent. So that's where the problem starts down in the testes. And that can either be something you're born with or acquired. And then thirdly, disorders of sperm transport. So that accounts for 10 to 20%. You know what I mean by that? So the travelling. Just travelling yep. from where they're made to. Where they need to be. Yep. yep. And then idiopathic, which means we don't know, accounts for 40 to 50%, which is huge. Yeah, that's massive. So there's a lot we don't know. Okay. Yet. Is that where the lifestyle stuff comes into it? Well, I would say that's where our role is. Okay. To to look into those areas. Yeah. And we do get a lot of good results from that. That's great. I guess one of the hardest things is where we sit with science now is the way to often fix the male factor is through the female. So really it is benefit to work on your lifestyle factors and get really healthy. In the aim of what if we didn't have to do IVF? What if we could avoid more invasive procedures for your partner? Mm. Or a delayed, a longer time in. Or, you know, pregnant. less cycles where you're paying so much money for a new stim cycle and you're not fertilizing as well as. Mm. Yeah, even through, by the sounds of it, through the assisted reproductive route, it's still good to have the best. Possible sperm. Absolutely. Interesting. I'm going to talk about this book. Okay. Um, Shana Swan. She is an environmental and reproductive epidemiologist. And she wrote a book a few years ago called Countdown. It was in the media a fair bit because there were some really interesting stats about it. But she talks about how male fertility has really plummeted in the last four decades, especially in Western countries. Mm-hmm. Why Western countries? It's so interesting. She says that worldwide fertility has dropped over more than 50% over the past 50 years. Wow. And that a man today has only half the number of sperm that his grandfather had. Again. You know, and I I think about it because I think when I started working in supporting women in IVF maybe 10 years ago, I don't think we really looked at the guys that much. Really? That's interesting. It wasn't as common as it is now. Hmm. And then also in her book, she says that in some parts of the world, a 20-something woman is less fertile than her grandmother would have been at 35. That's a really big shift, isn't it? And we are seeing lots of 
younger women seeking things like IVF or seeking Mm. more help than they would have quite a while ago. And in her book, she really talks a lot about damage from exposure of chemicals and endocrine-disrupting chemicals, which not only can affect your fertility now, but may help hurt the reproductive health of future generations. Wow. That's where it could have – is it she's suggesting that there was a lot of chemical exposure in our grandparents' era and that could also be affecting now. She's saying now, yeah. And then now. And now we're just dealing with more exposure because I would say less people are smoking and we are more aware of health. I guess stress is a major factor as well at the moment. Yeah. Stress affects our body. I think it's always underestimated how powerful stress is. Mm. We're going to talk about that in another episode, though. Uh, yeah, because it's just for both parties, for everybody, yeah. such a big issue. And then interestingly, um, in this book as well, she says that humans already fit into the US Fish and Wildlife Services standards, so their kind of guidelines, which would consider us an endangered species. Oh, really? I think she projected by the year, like... I can't remember what it is off the top of my head that we would have a even more serious issue with male fertility if we keep heading in that direction, which we're direct- heading now. Oh, my goodness. That's really something to think about. Yeah. Does age play a factor for men? Because people sort of are always like, oh, yes. I can have babies till I'm 80. Yeah, absolutely. So after the age of 40, we know that DNA integrity of the man's sperm starts to really decrease. Oh, 40. Yeah. Interesting. Men do have a biological clock. It's just not as significant as women's. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they absolutely do. I feel like we've talked a lot in this um, if lifestyle factors keeps coming up and what do we mean by that? What can we do? What what are they? And I guess our clinic is probably a good place to start with helping people. Yeah, so things that we would look at um, straight up. Are they smoking? Are they doing drugs? Are they drinking alcohol excessively? I need to find the reference for this, but I did read that smoking can increase your chance of miscarriage by 50%. Oh, that's really big. And I can't believe how many... that's coming from the male side, not just the female side. Yeah, but it's both really. Yeah. I can't believe how many guys just continue to smoke I know it's hard to give up when there's addiction but you know there's there's people that fall into the category of not willing to and I think we just can't get away with it some people are lucky and they're just super fertile and they don't need to but it is so beneficial for your health not to smoke and for for what you're passing on to your child yeah yeah you want to be passing on the best genetic material you can yeah so we'll look at um you know, whether there's excessive weight issues, especially around the gut. Mm. They're not moving enough, not exercising, how stressed they are, any occupational hazards. Do they work with lots of chemicals? Are there exposure to different things? Prescription medica- Some prescription medication can affect um, like antidepressants and stuff like that. Excessive caffeine. Oh, really? And things like pre-workout and... Some protein powder, obviously steroids goes in that category too. Yep. 
we look at the whole picture. But I, I would say often in the clinic, we probably first start with like stop smoking mm-hmm. and then it's just getting them into a bit of a better routine. That's for them. Yep. Just eating real food. Doesn't There's no crazy fertility diet or anything like that. Getting them on good supplementation, good antioxidants acupuncture we want to reduce their stress we want to make sure that they're sleeping well things like that as well yeah so it is a lot of lifestyle factors yeah can really influence it and so it's often coming back to basics Mm. and then I guess sometimes when you're working with people like us and we will do that initial semen analysis then we don't recommend doing another one until after three months Okay, so and just do to see the life cycle through yeah. of the um, sperm. And a lot of the time they fall pregnant before that three months is up. I, I actually don't think we retest a lot. Okay. We have, we have recently so done quite a few. changes can have a big difference. Yeah, well, sometimes impact. it's just those little things and that's all they need. Are um, there, um, when you talk about supplements, it's a bit tricky talking about specifics, but yeah. if you're just sort of looking, I know everyone's individual, if you're looking for sort of something general to start on. Just a good multivitamin. Okay. Like you could start with men of it, but I really like NaturaBest, which um, we stock in the clinic, and you can just buy it online, can't you? Yeah, you can. You can buy it direct from them. And so I that think would be a good, good place to too. start. It's really good quality. Yeah. I'll put the link to that one in show notes. Yeah. But really, if you want to get good specific advice, it is really good to see an acupuncturist who works in fertility or a naturopath that works in fertility Yeah, because they'll be able to break down your semen analysis and your lifestyle and kind of make a really targeted treatment plan. Mm. Yeah. And there might be some things in there that you're just not aware of that could be having an effect too. Absolutely. That's where it's good to have that conversation with someone that knows what they're looking for. And when guys are on board, like when they make that decision and go, yes, I'm doing this, their results are amazing, Mm. like so amazing. And there are lots of guys who are doing a lot of work on their health and seeing really good results. That's really lovely. Some of my favourite, can't say favourite, but some of my clients I really enjoy (laughs) working with are, are guys that, you know, are really on board. Yeah. And they're really into like And they really take responsibility for their part in this. Yeah. And creating their family. Yeah, it's great. And I guess the other thing to consider as well is that um, sometimes when you're making these big changes in your health, the sample can get worse before it gets better. Ah. And I think that is part of some of that detoxification process. And, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a, you know, we call it a crisis healing. And then you bounce back. But always after that time period, they always say they feel great. Yep. Their stress is reduced. Stress is a big one. And just and sometimes you don't even realize you're stressed and until making, someone points it out to you. And making little changes yep. like not going through drive through. Yes. Just eating a bit better. Not grabbing a chocolate bar when you fill up. Yeah, or just, you know, not having five coffees, just cutting that down. Little things can make a huge difference. I think that's a really good place to start before then jumping straight into really invasive procedures or, you know, putting lots of money into 
a place. And, you know, even if you are coming in and you're preparing for IVF, that's still a really good thing to be really healthy before you start that as well. It's not a waste. It can never be a waste improving your health. No. I think you've covered all my questions that I had. Um, I hope that's helpful. But we're always here if you have other questions. Yes, hit us up on We will do another episode for more some of the trickier male fertility cases. Yeah, that would be really interesting to get someone on. Because it is really interesting. Like there is a lot that still can be done when there is no sperm in the sample or Okay. Not yeah, not all hope is lost. Yeah. Necessarily. Cool. Thanks for that, Jana. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe where you listen, or head to Apple to rate and review. You will find the show notes on our website, conceivethepodcast.com.au, and can follow us on Instagram at conceive underscore podcast, where you can also leave questions for future episodes.